Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me, SP. This is a streamed and recorded casual chat with hobby and passion podcasters to share their experience, knowledge, joy, and enthusiasm of podcasting. And once the stream is over, I take those recorded files and I'll turn it into a podcast. Better Podcasting is a project by Stephen John Drew and myself to help hobby and passion podcasters start their podcasts and make their existing projects better. And that's the name, Better Podcasting. So for the next few minutes, bear with me. I'm going to talk about one of my passions in podcasting. It's space. So in Boca Chica, Texas, this week, SpaceX rolled out Starship Ship 25 to their launch and test area and lifted the ship onto Pad A for testings. This means that two complete Starships are now waiting at the Boca Chica launch site. Absolutely incredible. Starship Ship 24 was restacked with Booster 7 on the orbital launch mount, and tests have begun to qualify the stack for launch. Starship will literally be the biggest rocket ever launched. Very exciting. Until then, SpaceX is currently readying its Falcon Heavy launch vehicle over at the Kennedy Space Center for a Space Force mission on Monday, October 31st. The core stage will not be recovered but the two side boosters will be recovered in a simultaneous landing. It will be an amazing 10 minutes to watch from launch to recovery of the two boosters. Over on the NASA side of the house, preparations continue to hopefully roll out Artemis 1 back to the historic launch pad LC-39A at Cape Canaveral on Monday, November 4th, ahead of a possible November 14th launch to the moon. Some of the Work platforms have begun to retract from the SLS, which is the rocket SLS. Exciting times indeed. In my other podcasting adventures, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is covering Werewolf at Night Marvel One-Shot on Disney Plus this week. So go check that out on the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed if you are into spooky October slash Halloween podcasts. And I also had a chance this past weekend to catch up with Josh Liston from the On the Bubble podcast, the Punching Sideways podcast, and the Dead Set podcast last weekend. I'm looking forward to a Dead Set podcast episode where Josh and I geek out about our new Roadcaster Pro 2s. And of course, last but not least, the Better Podcasting main show will return for a live recording on Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Stephen and I are absolutely ecstatic and looking forward to ending our hiatus officially and returning to talk about podcasting. In case you are new to this show, Better Podcasting Chats with SP, if you are a hobby or passion podcaster, I'm interested in chatting with you. And if you want to schedule a time to chat with me about your podcasting experience and your podcast, please send me an email to stargatepioneer at betterpodcasting.com or send me a DM on Twitter or private message on Discord, and we'll arrange a date to have you on the show. And in case you don't think this applies to you, it does. And I'm excited to chat with you, whether you're a true crime podcaster, a role-playing podcaster, an audio drama podcaster, you like to podcast about TV, film, anything in the genres, go ahead and hit me up. I'm excited to talk to you. And talking about somebody that actually reached out to me for the next hour, I'm chatting with Wesley Bryant. Wesley is a podcaster, audio editor, voice actor, and writer. 
He's been engaged in tabletop RPGs for a little over three years now. He truly enjoys the art of world building and story crafting. He can be found voicing the character Henry Marlowe on the actual play podcast Thornvale. Welcome to the chat, Wesley. Hey guys, how are you all doing tonight? Great, awesome. I'm here. Hi. <laughs> Excited to have you on the show, and hopefully, we'll be able to have a productive 45, 50 minutes, maybe of an hour. We'll just see how it goes. Okay. Let's start off by telling everybody what inspired you to start podcasting. Well, honestly, that was from an outside source. It wasn't even my own idea. I remember that. I was in college, and for those that uh, already listen to the show, you might have heard a few weeks ago by now, or a week, two weeks, a conversation with Susanna Lewis, who runs our main show. I had met her at college, and I met her through the writing club at school, and, and she had written a series of novellas that she needed beta readers for, and I... I had read enough of her writing. I was like, oh, you actually wrote a concrete novel or novella. I, I will definitely read. So I was a beta reader for her story. And then later on, she comes to me and says, hey, I really like this world I've built in my story. What if I were to turn it into a podcast and would you want to be a voice? And I was like, sure, totally. I, I At that point, I had done nothing at all resembling podcasting, but like the first podcasting I had ever done in my life was when we all sat down for the first time, the four of us to record our very first episode of the show. So. <laughs> all right. So Thornvale was indeed your first podcast. It was that I was actually helping to create and build. Yes. I've been listening to podcasts for a fair while. I, I do remember my very first one was uh, welcome to night Vale. It was the first podcast I really got into and I loved it, but I didn't really at any point have a thought of, you know, why don't I make my own until after, of course, until after Thornville started. And I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> so what kind of podcasting experience have you had? Has it all been storytelling or role-playing podcasts? Well, of course, the one I've had the most experience in has been the role-playing era, role-playing arena, because Thornvale at this point is quite large. We have two seasons in the bag and the third one running right now. But it hasn't been all that. Um, I do have one other podcast that I built myself and I produced, which honestly, it's not dead, but I haven't added anything new to the feed in a very long time. I really want to get back into it. It's more of a short story and fiction podcast. It's called the Story Vault podcast. And after starting Thornvale, I was thinking, well, I really want to get better at this in general. And, you know, I need practice for voiceovers and ultimately. So I was like, what can I do besides the main show that something that is just practice for me? And I created the Story Vault, which is mainly where I will take things like usually public domain stories, unless permission is granted, obviously. And I will read the story, but then also in episode, I will take, I will insert things like music and sound effects and things like that to make it a little more as immersive as I can. Well, that's great. So I give you permission to tell my life story of how I went from rags to a millionaire while podcasting. You think you're interested in that story for your story vault? I mean, definitely. Sure. Mainly what I, for my show, what I would do is like, they're normally fiction ones, but 
I am not against real life stories at all. I've actually had, um, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Susanna has told me that she said, you know, you can use a lot of a lot of my stuff. And I'm looking at a lot of her things and I'm like, well, I like it, but these are supposed to be like short little bite size. You know, the episodes aren't supposed to be like an episode of our show, which is an hour long. You know, it's not usually meant to be that long. So I try to keep them shorter. But yeah, I really do miss making it. But unfortunately, with the current job and such, I haven't really had a ton of time. Um, but it's not dead. I, I periodically, I'll go onto the feed and, and send out messages just to say, thank you, everybody, for being patient. The show's not dead. I'm just dealing with such and such. So I don't have a ton of listeners on that side of things, but that's fine. I don't. The whole idea for that particular one was that I. You know, I already have this one show that I'm part of, and it's great, and we have a ton of listeners. And even if we didn't have a ton of listeners on the main show, that'd be okay. Because the reason that we are doing this, in both cases, for my personal show and Thornvale itself, is because we like to do it. And it just so happens that people are interested enough to want to listen to us. I, I'm still surprised when, when we have what could be called fans. And every time I hear that, I'm just thinking, but how can that be? We're not famous people. How does that work? But no, it's been a really great experience. If you go by some of the statistics out, out there, the average podcast or the mean podcast out there gets about 150 downloads per episode within about the first 30 days, which is the metric that everybody uses along the advertisement side of the house. So if you're doing better than 150, you've got a really engaged audience because it takes work to get them to come back every week. I also have done podcasts in the past where we get 20 steady listens every week. I can't tell you how much of those are bots and other pod crawlers and how many are <laughs> actual people, but I can tell you that we got feedback from that show consistently. So we did have some listeners. So it really doesn't matter. I mean, I podcast for a hobby. I don't podcast to make money out of it or anything. Which, oh no, none of us do. Not for yeah, me. For me, it's building the community or finding like-minded people. That's the big thing. I probably said this on the Better Podcasting main show at one point in time, but my big inspiration for podcasting was to find like-minded people because I was listening on the radio, I was listening to satellite radio, and I just couldn't find anybody that wanted to talk sci-fi. That's my biggest love <laughs> of all is, is science fiction. And at nice. the time, like Battlestar Galactica was on and then Stargate SG-1, I'm like, ah, I need to find somewhere to talk about this. Nobody at work was interested in talking to me. They were all Ooh. geeky people. But they weren't geeky enough, or maybe they just didn't want to admit it. I don't know. But they didn't <laughs> want to talk about this stuff. So I'm like, oh, I got to find somewhere to talk about it. And the internet blogs were kind of in their infancy at the time. Some were strong, but I finally caught on to a couple that were actually podcasts and had a community around it. And I've enjoyed that experience ever since, so much so that I'm part of a community called Gonna Geek that's very similar to that now. And I have a weekly podcast on the Marvel studio stuff called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we're able to geek out all about that stuff going on right now. And uh, there's a, there's some DC love over there. I don't know why, but there there is. <laughs> over I mean, there. honestly, I, I am of the opinion that I love both of them for different things, and I will never choose one or the other. Both of them are good at different things. It's just... Mm -hmm. It's definitely another topic for another day, but it, it's <laughs> just... An example of, hey, it's a community of people that love to talk about it. So we do. We talk about it and we have some podcasts on it. Yeah. 
the storytelling podcast seems to be your forte. You're not in it. You're not giving life advice or talking about mental health or true crime. You're literally talking about storytelling. Yeah, it's that's mostly what I what I know. And even as far back as like middle school, I was writing my own stories and everything. And they weren't in the format of a role playing scenario, just because I have no idea now why I didn't get into it sooner. Because after getting into Thornvale and everything, I've had the thought many times. I thought, why, why didn't I, why didn't I start this sooner? This is so fun. It is. But yeah, most of what I do is story related, not so much true crime. Although, you know, there are some, there are plenty of podcasts that I listen to that are not storytelling that are as far as topic all across the board. I listen to a ton of them. So, um. Uh, yeah, but most experience is in, is in, you know, storytelling, crafting and such. So, okay. Well, you're not just a voice actor on a role-playing podcast. You're also a self-proclaimed podcast editor. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, in comparison to the other stuff I've done, it is very small at this point, but right when the show was first getting started, before we had our main editor, who is our editor and does most of our stuff now. In order to give Susanna a little bit of time to have a life, since she was usually the one doing the edits, she would occasionally, week to week, if need be, she would come to Hannah or myself and be like, hey, does anyone else have time to edit this episode? So right around the beginning of the show, there are three or four episodes where I did the edits for, which honestly, at this point, we have so many, I have no, I have no, no memory of, of what uh, exact episodes. That also helped me with exercising my degree, which is in the digital field. So I was already somewhat familiar with how to take the file, put it in the software, do the tweaks, and end up with hopefully a uh, professional quality recording. Right. So you learned basically how to edit because of your degree and the classes that you took and the skills that you learned there, right? Yes. I remember when I started out in college, I wanted to do... um, stage theatrical stuff which i still love but i wanted to have something that was a little more versatile as far as degree and not only the theatrical so then i added the digital audio and video recording and editing side to things so so you've been podcasting for about three years now as you said how have you improved your podcasting over that time (laughs) oh oh i still just to appreciate how different and how much better I would hope we all are at this point, I will go back to our very first episode and I will listen to it and I will just inwardly at multiple occasions, I'm just like, I'm so glad we are so much better because we have all become much better at knowing that, okay, this sounds good here versus this at the beginning, oh, not so good. Or, oh, I can tell that you're in this episode here, you were you know, you're too close to the mic or it's clipping or you're, you know, whatever you want to use as an example. But yeah, but then it's also a little bit different as far as um, not only on the recording for a, hopefully a, an audience that expects quality. And of course we want to give good quality stuff, but also the theatrical practice for stage and theatrical practice for this is entirely different. There are some aspects that are the same or, or even similar, but some aspects are like night and day. There's no, like, you're not on stage in front of people. You are, you are in front of people, but only in what they hear. And therefore, you must convey everything you're trying to convey through 
what they hear, which takes practice. <laughs> okay. Practice is important. We'll get back to that in a little bit. One of the things that I wanted to talk about before we went there was to talk about your audio gear, because everybody that listens to Better Podcasting is kind of a gearhead or wants to know how they can improve their gear or what went into the selection of the audio gear and how you record and that sort of stuff. So let's just start with what do you use to record your podcast in terms of a microphone, audio interface, mixer, that sort of stuff? Well, you're actually, anybody who's seeing the video, you are looking at it right now. This mic I have right here. This is the one I use. I started out the show using a Blue Yeti, sort of like the budget kind of mic, which can go straight into the computer, which worked well enough. But for my own reasons of, you know, if I do want to do this professionally at some point in the future, I need a better mic. <laughs> and also the fact that connected straight into the computer did cause some editing issues that I had to jump extra hoops to fix. So then ultimately I ended up getting this one, which is the Rode NT1A microphone. And I got the full package. So I got this, I've got the interface, I've got the, of course, it's shock mounted up here. And then the, um, there's the pop filter right here, which I remember, I remember when I first set it up and ran a test for it in comparison to something I'd recorded on my original mic. And I was just like, there was nobody else there but me, but I'm positive my mouth would have been hanging open because the difference in quality was so much better. And I'm so glad that I made this purchase because at the time it was a pretty big piece of money, but I was like, I know for a fact that I will get use out of this. So, Indeed. Kind of the same mentality I had when I jumped up in price to the microphone that I'm using now, which is an Electrovoice RE320. So you said you got an audio interface with the package. I'm assuming the package was maybe through Sweetwater or through BSW. I believe, if I recall correctly, I had heard about it through Sweetwater, but I think, if I recall, I purchased it through Amazon. Oh, okay. But I had done some digging and like on the brands and things. And I was because I was like, OK, I'm specifically using this for podcasting and voiceover. I'm not using it for recording in a band or singing or any of that stuff. And I know that certain mics are better for certain things. But in my case, I was just like my main thing was I needed to be good quality and or, you know, professional grade quality. And I need it to be clear, basically. Mm -hmm. Listenable. And a good representation of your voice. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, in conjunction with the software that I use, I, of course, have tweaked it to suit my voice. But beyond that, it's not as if I would take them away and my voice would sound terribly different. It sounds near the same, but it just comes through at a clearer level. That's all. Mm -hmm. Did the package include like a Scarlett 2i2 audio interface or is it something different? No, it's not a Scarlett 2i2. It's actually an interface specifically for this let's see if i can lift this a little bit is it a road yeah it's just the road oh okay regular old road interface and uh yeah it's got the phantom power of course and it's got the gain knobs and everything it's a single channel interface you can only have one mic in there at once but it doesn't matter to me because i only ever have one mic in there at once and then of course <laughs> i have learned save the packaging for anything like this because because <laughs> it's much better that way yeah, because in case you have to RMA it or maybe sell it later, whatever, you have the original packaging. Yeah. My co-host on Better Podcasting actually just put a question out to our Discord is, I am cleaning up my studio. 
what do you guys keep in terms of boxes and what do you throw away? And somebody immediately said, anything that's over a hundred or under a hundred dollars, I don't keep the boxes for. And then somebody said, well, if you plan on selling it in the future, you probably want to keep it. And, you know, they kept on going down the road of what uh, boxes to keep and everything. So it's kind of funny that you just mentioned that because that happened today. Hmm. All right. So you mentioned that everything goes into a DAW. You record into a DAW and you probably edit in that same DAW. What DAW do you use? Actually, they taught us in school on Pro Tools, which I know is the industry standard of a lot of places. but. Just for the price and the fact that Pro Tools was a subscription, I'd actually been following for a long time, I'd been following a YouTube channel called Booth Junkie on YouTube, which, (laughs) funnily enough, I heard about through one of my favorite podcasts, the No Sleep Podcast, who is one of the voice actors there, of course, Mike Delgadio. He basically got to promo this channel through the show. And I was like, oh, specifically for voice acting? Oh, I got to check this out. So I've been subscribed to that channel for years. And then he was, he had a whole series where he talks about, this is my studio. This is the DAW I use. This is called Reaper. And I was like, okay, it's not a subscription and you only pay this one time and you can do all this stuff with it. Okay. That's, yep. That's the one. That's it. (laughs) Mike Delgadio is great. The one video or series of videos that I like of his is when he's doing a shotgun microphone, the Sennheiser MK, MKH, uh, was it 916 or something like that? It's the, the yep. big thousand dollar one. That is eventually I will get that, but it's going to be a while before I get one of those yep. microphones. It's just awesome. So Mike's got a lot of testing and a lot of capability. He does have a sound booth, thus booth junkie, right? So he, yeah. he does have a sound booth that he works out of. Uh, if anybody is wondering and wants to equate their studio to his, you're going to have to put in a little work and a little bit of money to get that actual booth in order to sound as uh, controlled as he does in his studio. Yeah, obviously, I don't have an actual booth here. I Normally, when we first started the show, I used my closet, which was perfect uh, because that's normally like every place I move now, wherever I end up, I always think, okay. Does this have a closet? And what is the width of said closet? Because if I can fit the, you know, the closet so far has automatically turned into my sound booth if I can manage it, which unfortunately in this case, I couldn't. So I had to do it here, which is fine. It's normally quiet enough around here. I don't have to bother about it. But. <laughs> okay. So you use Reaper to record your end and to edit. When you are recording though and you're connecting to your co-host because that's how you guys record your role-playing podcast thornvales through the internet i know this because susan told me you use discord is that correct yes months and months ago we did use facebook but eventually we were just like we're on discord often enough we're always around discord let's just let's just move it here so yeah we know we just have a, a specific channel that's got all of us in it and we just connect through Discord so that everyone can hear everyone else. And then we just record our own, record our own files and then send them all to our editor who then does all the heavy lifting. And then, of course, Susanna goes through and does a final pass to be sure of, you know, stuff like the music or, you know, tiny tweaks or things like that. So I'm trying to remember and I can't off the top of my head. So maybe you can clear it up for me. I don't think you guys use a backup recording through discord, like the Craig bot or anything like that. No, not through discord. What I use uh, for a backup recording is I actually have a, uh, we, we learned this because of a 
rather awful scenario where we lost so many we did we recorded like five episodes in one swing once and it worked amazingly well for recording but then later we realized we had lost so much of it we had to fix uh we had to do re-record so now we always run backups i use i have a very basic audio recorder application that i found for my phone so i just have my phone recorder running whenever we record I don't know specifically what the other three use. I know, I know that Susanna has a uh, she has an H4n, but I think she uses that for regular recording. So I'm not sure where her backups are, um, what she does for backups, or what Hannah does. But that's normally what I do. I have this phone application that does it for me. Okay. If you could reach back to yourself three and a half years ago and told yourself one thing to make it easier as you started into your podcasting journey with Thornvale, what would you have told yourself? Hmm. Wow, I could have said something at the beginning. Hmm. Probably something along the lines of save your project more than you think you need to, or have the backup running, if, of course, if I had known. But then, specifically using Thornvale as the example, you know, of course, it's hard not to be nervous when you're starting something like this because it's like, oh no, people are going to hear it and then maybe judge it or whatever. But I would have been like, you know, this is me talking to me. I know you well enough to know that you will love this. Don't be nervous or something like that. Okay. Just a little bit of ease behind the microphone. Yeah, because I, one of the gauges to how much better I would think we are now is I go back to the first episode and perhaps it was just me, but I seem to recall I inserted um a whole lot in the, at the <laughs> beginning because I couldn't figure out, obviously... I couldn't figure out the word to say, so my brain obviously just goes, insert an um there, it'll be fine. And then I go back now and I'm just thinking, why did I have so many ums in there? I don't have to do that. <laughs> They're called crutch words and they're there to give your brain a crutch as you go and bridge the thought to what you're going to say next. We all do yeah. it. Those yeah, of us that have <laughs> podcasted for a while or have done any sort of public speaking or whatever, politicians, right, when they're giving speeches. Or uh, religious clergy is they're giving eulogies or, you know, uh, preaching or, or whatever that yeah. they just get over it and they get more used to not using the crutch words. Even if it's just taking a pause and not saying anything is better than a crutch word, I think. But where you learn to do that as a young age, just to keep going and keep going and keep going. And so those crutch words are in there. I use so quite a bit. I say um every once in a while and it just bugs the crap out of me when I go to edit. I'm like, I just need to not say so. That's my big one, saying so. Yeah. I guess it's also just the thought of with the metric ton of novels I have read up until this point in my life, I'm just thinking I always think I'm like, I know my vocabulary is stronger than this. I have a very impressive vocabulary i'm i pride myself on my vocabulary and yet i do that which that's another aspect of the whole in the moment nature of the recording because it's not like you're reading a script that everything is written down it's more like you have to think on your feet and sometimes it works and other times you just have to take a moment or you can't even take a moment and you're just like uh give me a second yeah improv that's what it's all about what you guys do is improv hmm. So for it, I, there you go. I just said it there for 
you're reading, have you read any books that are podcast focused? Specifically on the topic for podcasting? I don't think I have, actually. The closest to that would be not even podcast, but I kept a lot of the textbooks that I had to use and read in college for different classes like audio post-production or or the art of soundscaping in things like movies or TV. But specifically podcasting? No, I don't think I have. Okay. We've talked about him before on this show with the guests that have come on. So I'm thinking about writing a post with different book recommendations for uh, podcasters and of, of what other hobby podcasters have recommended. Cause there's some that everybody seems to recommend and there's some very unique ones. So I'm hmm. going to go out there and get a list of it. You are more so on the voice acting side of things, even though you do a lot of story creation, you edit podcasts, but most of what you do is you're a character on a role-playing game. And when you are a character, basically you're an actor for that character. How do you get yourself into that mindset? I'm definitely a little better at this than I was when starting, but I could say that about a lot of things. But I've discovered that when you're building a character for, and I, of course, I try to make all my characters unique. I try to make all of them different from each other. And uh, as far as the mindset, usually um, I have found that one thing I'd like to do is once I really get to know the character and I've played them and, you know, really fleshed them out a little, because when you first build them, you're not really, even after building them and following the rules and attributes and whatever else, you're not really sure who this person is yet you just i mean there's a skeleton sure there is but then in story you might say that oh my character does this and now you're thinking okay i've made that real now so okay that means that the character by extension is whatever or whatever it is so what i like to do for my characters after i've played them a little while usually i like to identify if they have some kind of a like a quirk or a, you know, a speech pattern or something, or I think of it as a, what I actually use as a phrase, what I like to think of as a phrase that relates to the character. So then before session, I'll just, and I have, I have a couple of these written down for some characters I've done and I'll just, before session, I'll be, you know, I'll just speak out loud, you know, repeat the phrase three or four times. And I've discovered it actually does help shift the brain from yes i am an actor giving life to this character but now i have to think like i believe my character would think which is at the beginning that was something that was less or more difficult for me to do i should say would be because we'd be faced with whatever problem we were dealing with in the show and and i would think oh no but i want to you know but I, I want to do this i meaning me the person but now I'm much better at going, okay, what would this person, my character, do? And it might be something entirely different than what I personally, as a person, would do. So it's a very different kind of thought process when you have to think of like, okay, based on things that have happened to the character and the way you've built them and the events that they've gone through, how would they react to whatever scenario? <laughs> so unlike maybe a TV episode or series or a movie or film, 
where they come in with the writers having a good idea, like you're building a novel. They actually have, for lack of a better term, we'll call it a character Bible going into it. What you're doing is you're building the character Bible from a combination of your interpretation of where the character is going to go and what the character actually does during play. So the Bible is being built right in front of you, and the character at the end is really an algamation of everything that the character has gone through during your play. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's even my character as he is now, as he is currently in the show, he is, he is very different than what, than, than what he was at the beginning. He has already gone through a fair amount of change, but the show's not over yet, so more could happen, I'm sure. <laughs> you have an interesting note that you sent me, and I hadn't really thought of it. Most of the people that I've chatted with on this podcast and chat with in my podcasting endeavors are producers, GMs, keepers, DMs, you know, the game master, the dungeon master in case of a true D&D podcast. Hmm. But it's different from their perspective to an actual character slash voice actor perspective. And you've been more of the player slash voice actor. So what are some of the differences that you've seen between a voice actor and a game master? I have only recently begun going into the game master side of things myself as running games. But it's different in several ways. Like, because... Instead of the game master saying something as simple as, okay, create your characters, here's the parameters, go and do it. And then me as the player gets to be like, oh, great. All I have to do is build the character, which can be, you know, depending on the system or whatever else, can be a chore in itself sometimes. But recently, I can't help thinking of, um, there's a game I'm, I'm currently working for another crew that's not the Thornbell group, but a different group. And I've discovered the very first time I ran, anything for our crew, we were on a retreat and we were all in person and I had written about two pages of notes that I was like, okay, you know, point A, point B, point C, here's the story. And I hadn't really seen in action the maxim of the plan never survives contact with the enemy. And then I did in that game because I ended up having to throw out over half my notes, I believe it was, because, of course, they're not following the script that you have put down, and therefore, you have to be flexible, which, of course, as a player, you have to be flexible as well, but usually it's not to such an extreme as it can be sometimes uh, as to the side of the GM, because if they say something like, can we, I want to do this, and I, I personally, I never want to be the person that's like, no, I don't think you can because I'm secretly trying to railroad you into this direction and there is no other way my story can work without it. I like the open world concepts, but the, the differences are instead of thinking in the moment as the character, as the player, you now have to shift it to, yes, these things happened in session, but then how do I, as the runner of the game, how do I tie these together as far as they are and leave, you know, open plot points in the future for them to go after? And like Susanna has done this a few times where she'll put little hints to bigger things 
throughout the story. And then if we notice them, we notice. But if we don't, they're still there and they still affect things. And I can think of multiple occasions where all of us were like, oh my gosh, she, whatever happened just happened. And she's like, well, yeah, if you guys had uh, investigated this or this or done this instead, you might have figured it out, but you didn't. And so you're having to look at it in a, mo- in a much broader perspective because as far as the overall story, you're kind of steering it, but at the same time, you have to, once again, be flexible. It'd be like, okay, so they did this thing I was not expecting, but how do I make that thing that they did matter now? Because it happened. And sometimes they do things that ultimately don't matter, and other times they can do things, and you think, oh, well, they did this which means it could open up into this or this or this. So it's not even like a novel where you write everything and it's set. It, it has to be kept in a more, I mean, I'll use the word fluid because it works, in a more fluid state in order to adapt to what they do. Because, of course, the players you can never anticipate at all. And the other, like the only other extreme to that would be to make so many notes that you try to cover every possible scenario, which is not possible you have no idea i mean if that makes sense i'm sorry i rambled a little bit but yeah it's a shift as far as thought process and being a novel writer can help i guess in some cases but otherwise you know in some cases it can be a hindrance if you're trying to lock them inside of a novel box and then they do something um (laughs) and you're like oh well i don't really know how that works now and i'm reminded of a of an example to anybody out there, if you know um, Dropout TV online, it's headed by, they, they do a lot of shows, but the one I'm thinking of is Dimension 20, headed by Brennan Lee Mulligan, who is an absolutely amazing DM. There was an occasion where he had one of his characters encountering the big bad evil guy of the whole campaign. And then the character decided, or the player decided to have the character directly attack this thing and he was absolutely floored because of her role she managed to survive but he told her as this was happening he says to her the only reason i'm letting this pass is because we're taking a five-day break and that is the only reason i am willing to ruin my entire campaign right now or something like that he said because it was some crazy oh yeah it was a nat 20 she rolled and he said if you had rolled anything less than that nat 20 you would be dead And everybody around the table was like, oh my gosh, you know, every once in a while you get stuff like that. And I I remember an occasion in our show when as a player, we all collaboratively came up with this plan to alter events that had already happened in our show. And we explained it. And according to, of course, the rules and such that, or rules loose that had been established Susanna had no recourse but to allow us to do so, but I know she hated having to do it, but it... Uh... I could definitely see that being a difficulty for a GM that's trying to flush out the future and you're changing the past, so the future changes. So from talking to you right now, what I got was a player seems more reactive to the situations around kind of like an improv actor as you're going from situation to situation much like we do in real life, really. 
True. Not necessarily having long-term goals, although you might have a few if you give given certain references basically around the world that's being built. Whereas a keeper slash GM slash DM, what you're trying to do is create this world structure or skeleton of which the story can take place. And there's a bunch of choose your own adventure stuff that happens along the way. And the story really can go anyway, and probably not necessarily like in a novel in the direction that the creator or the storyteller wants to go because that's the nature of the game. You can take hard lefts and hard rights in real life and with the role-playing games itself. Yeah, that is true. Very true. Okay. So you have created the Thornville, Thornvale, excuse me. <laughs> you have created right. in Thornvale a Discord that is not only focused on Thornvale and tabletop RPGs, but anybody that's doing a tabletop RPG and quite frankly, anybody else, nobody start away in an exclusive discord server for that talk. That's the purpose of the discord server is to be a consolidation or a landing place for actual play podcasters, right? That is correct. Yes. That is a fairly, uh, fairly recent addition that our crew decided to move in. So Yes, we do have a Discord. It's been operating for four to five weeks or something like that. I, the, the exact date, I can't remember it for sure, but it's, it's only been a few weeks, but we have, uh, we have a fair amount of people. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Actual Place? Yes. If you were to search any of our show notes, if you search Thornvale in any podcast application under the show notes where we credit our artists and, and our musical tracks and everything, you can find a link that will take you to the actual place. The art for that was actually done by Hannah. She's, uh, she's usually our, uh, our art person. And yeah, there's, there's us. There's, I know uh, the Shrimp and Crit show is there. Bring Your Own Mech is in there. A couple others are in there. And uh, yeah, we, um, we just, uh, among ourselves, we had decided that for the continued growth of the show and the community we built, we really wanted to just open it up to anybody else who might have an actual play show and say, Hey, you don't have a place to talk about them or to promote your show or whatever else. Well, we will make one for you. Well, I'm in it right now and it looks fantastic. It looks like I would expect the structure to be for other actual play podcasters. You've got, and this could change over time, but you got general with general chats in there. You have system chats. So if you're doing a role-playing game, it's often in some sort of system, Pathfinder, D&D, you know, whatever it is. So you got some talks about there. You have a place where everybody can promote their creations, their podcasts. You have specific show channels. And what's probably one of the gems of the entire server is a place that anybody can come in and listen to and record their podcasts, their actual play sessions. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's got everything that you would need for a role-playing game, and I look forward to seeing a lot in there. Now, in the short few weeks that you've had it open, what are some common themes of discussions that have been ongoing? We had one that was actually very interesting a few days ago. It was in the Game Master chat which we do have one for specifically game masters as well and it was a 
particular game master who was needing help because he gave a scenario. It was something to the effect of that he had had all his characters. They've just broken out of, you know, possibly prison or something else, but they're just breaking out into the world that he's built. And he was wanting advice about, you know, where could I go? You know, they're, they're breaking out into this world, but I haven't said, you know, where they are or where they're going or, you know, anything like that. So I remember that I had posted something in there about, I said something along the lines of, Hey, I really like, like an Island survival. I always like, you know, when people were stuck on an Island and have to survive. So what if their prison or whatever that they just broke out of was on an Island, but now they're trapped in the middle of an ocean or something and they have to escape. Or uh, I, I knew there were, there were also a couple others that were, I, I know one other person in the thread said something about, what if they broke out of their prison, but even if, uh, what if they broke out, but they think they've broken out, but they're still underground, right? They're buried somewhere and they have to make it back up to the surface or something. And so it was just a whole big mess of ideas. And then he was, I think, very grateful for, because he at one point came in and said, oh boy, I've got a, I've got a lot to think about. Thank you guys so much. You know, something like that. As you started, my mind went to Leon Yu, which is if anybody <laughs> knows yeah. the Arrow television show that was on CW for a while, it was about the Green Arrow, who is a DC comic book character. There's a prison mm. on that island called Leon Yu, or the Leon Yu. Yep, Leon Yu is the island name, but there's a prison there that is one of the organizations in the DC universe. Yeah, that's where my mind went. But then you went to the underground thing, and then. My mind went to an audio drama that I helped out with called Universe 25, which is basically that where it's layers of underground, which the original population went underground 100, 200 years ago to escape a nuclear apocalypse or whatever. <laughs> so there was different chambers that they had to go up and uh, they haven't made it to the surface yet, but I'm hoping to see that in the next season. Anyway, ah. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. So between... Your podcast, the Story Vault and Thornvale and everything else that you've been involved with personally, what is one of your favorite moments from one of those shows? <laughs> I can't help thinking of, of course, there was the moment that I mentioned previously where we basically forced our keeper to have to retcon something that had happened just because it had caused the death of a very important non-player character npc and we were all like oh no how do we fix this how can we fix this she's gone how could we do that and we managed it but then i i just i really love no matter what the show is one moment that i always loved is when we usually create all our characters behind the scenes we don't normally record the actual character creation but once we have created them We'll run, of course, the beginning session. And I always love it when the other players and all of us reveal, like, okay, here's our crew. We have the different characters, and they're all, all so unique. They're all so different and crazy. And and it might be just me, but I think I, I think I know I've said this multiple times in our show, because at the end of everything we do, when it's over, we'll do a like a discussion episode where we'll just talk about what did we like about it? What do we not like about it? What do we, what would do better? What do you want to do about this? And one thing I always seem to say is I just really love the way our characters just gelled together and worked, especially when that happens 
when aspects of the story that were created usually without any input about who the characters were going to be or their abilities or whatever else, more often than not, there are aspects in the story that work so well with these characters without any connection between the two. And then it, I think we've all chalked it up uh, also to the fact that we just know each other so well as friends that we make it work. And, but it's, it's an unconscious, it seems to be an unconscious thing. It's like, it's not all of it. We don't ever have a moment where we're sitting there going, okay, so this is specifically how my character will act in relation to all your other characters. We don't know that. We don't know that or because we don't know anything about their characters. So it's another one of those like building in the moment kind of things. And I know that's kind of a broad thing, but like to get back to the beginning of the question is just when the, the, the character reveal moment where you put so much into this character, uh, in some cases, uh, aspects of yourself. I know I've done that. I've basically cherry picked parts of my own personality or whatever. And it's like, okay, he's going to have this, he's going to have that, she's going to have this, she's going to have that. And then they all just, it's like you just throw them in a blender, turn the blender on, and see what comes out at the end. That's just it. (laughs) Sounds like what you're describing is a collaborative, creative environment, and that's your favorite moments from the show. Yeah, I I mean, the environment is, is great, but like specifically, I would think the character reveals. Of course, everything that happens after that is great, but yeah, the environment itself is great because there's not really a, you're never, ever going to have, or usually I would hope, you're not going to have a scenario if you know these people well enough and they are your friends, they are not going to say, oh no, I don't think your character would do this, or oh no, we can't have the character do that because of whatever reason. It's the collaboration, and then it's just, it's also those unplanned, like, it's the un, it's the fact that it's unscripted, obviously, but then just, it's those unplanned moments that just, they happen organically and you could never recreate them in a million years. They happen that way and it's amazing or, or terrifying or sad or happy or whatever it is. But then you're like, that was, you know, you look back, no matter what the moment is, you look back later and it's like, that was crazy. We could never, we could never pull that same thing off ever again. <laughs> okay. Good Marky Mo moments that you're doing there. Okay. So you've been in the podcasting space for a little over three years. You've created your own community in the actual place discord server for actual play podcasts or role-playing podcasts. You might know a little bit about the industry. Is there something about the podcasting space or the podcasting industry as a whole that you just take a look at it and go, I wish it was different. Uh, Hmm. I mean, honestly, at this point, you know, I haven't had that many negative connections with it. I, you know, there are some, one thing I'm thinking of is it is not by any means a bad thing. It is a natural progression of, of what they do. But I'm thinking of anyone who might not know the, uh, the glass cannon network. If you don't check them out, they're great. They started out as a Pathfinder podcast, and then they actually signed a deal with Paizo, and they are the founders of this company quit their jobs, and they do this now, and they are that big. And one thing that it's a natural progression for them, but at the same time, you know, part of me maybe is like, oh man, I really wish, because they have a lot of content that is 
exclusive to things like Patreon or, you know, different things like that. And yes, on occasion, I'll be like, oh man, I really wish that all this stuff could be free, which is, would be amazing. But at the same time, if you want to grow your brand or your show or whatever it is, and you have the means to do that and, and, and use what you get to further your endeavors, that is not by any means a bad thing. I suppose the only unfortunate, the really unfortunate thing for me that I really wish we could do more often, and this is just due to distance and life and time and everything, is just that occasionally my crew will have in-person retreats where we'll just take a weekend and we'll go and just hang out and have fun. And we even, on retreats, we've played systems that aren't even recorded. We'll just play to play the game. And more often than not, they're never long enough, and and we all wish that we could just do this for good. And the fact that we have to do it, we have to do it by distance, I think, is the main thing. But I know that's more specific. As, as far as podcasting goes, I'm, I don't really have, thankfully, a, a bad experience to speak of. I'm honestly just really, really, really excited since the first emergence of podcasting in, I think it was 2004. We haven't been around that long. Podcasting has not been a thing for nearly as long as so many other things, and yet the amount of growth it has had in comparatively a very small amount of time, and, you know, I'm thinking that certain world events may have helped in certain aspects, but all the same, I mean, I'm just really glad that I found this when I did, and that, you know, I don't know how big podcasting is going to get, or we'll get in the future or anything but it sounds like you know once again natural progression of something really cool that could turn into a ton of other stuff so i'm just glad that i was managed that i managed to get in on the ground floor basically <laughs> indeed a lot of people back in the 2004 time frame are very grateful that they've stuck with it all these years and honestly some of the more recent people they've had less of a headache because some of the processes have actually been flushed out and just in the last few years, we got podcast specific gear or gear packages like the one that you have and stuff like that. So I think yeah. there's benefit to getting into it even today versus way back in the day because you have less of the pain to go through. So in the chat, we've had Liberty Dude today and he keyed in on exactly the same topic that you were talking about. Now we kind of hit on at the very beginning. And it was podcasting for the fun of it. Love it. That's his comment there. For the fun of it. Love it. So thank you very much, Liberty Dude. Indeed. Okay, Wesley, I think we're coming up on the end of our planned hour here. And I want to thank you profusely for coming on and being part of the chat with SP, talking a little bit about characters and gameplay that we haven't really had yet on the show. So thank you very much for showing up. Oh, you are very, very welcome. <laughs> and then where would be the best place for a better podcasting audience to find your content? Well, um, as I've mentioned uh, once or twice, you can find us, not only me, but the other members of my crew on the Thornvale podcast or the actual place Discord server. Or you might hear, if you go through um, a couple of the other shows on the cast junkie server i have um i have thrown my voice into a few guest appearances for different characters but most often you're going to find me in the actual place 
or on the Thornvale podcast, or also in that same feed, playing a plethora of other characters in more contained stories that, uh, you know, extra content that we just put in that same feed. So mm-hmm. sounds great. And I've already checked some of that out because Suzanne being on the show before, so I can recommend it heartily. So thank you very much again, <laughs> Wesley. You're welcome. You're welcome. I had a great time. I had a great time with you too. And thank you for spending your time with Wesley and myself over the past hour. If you like content like this, please subscribe to the Better Podcasting YouTube channel and like that video and ring that bell or so the YouTubers tell me to say that. If you are listening to the audio version of this show, please give Better Podcasting Chats with SP a follow or subscribe, whatever your podcatcher says on the app. Stephen and I would greatly appreciate it. Now, next week on Tuesday, November 1st, 2022, I have some time scheduled with an OG Better Podcasting community member. Yes, Diami Plotke is a woodworker and podcast producer. He wants to come on the show and chat about his podcast journey and current hiatus, which is very topical considering Better Podcasting will be back the very next day. So join us Tuesday, November 1st, 2022 at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, streamed on the Better Podcasting YouTube channel. In the meantime, you can join the podcasting conversation about hobby podcasting on our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord, where you can find both Stephen and myself there every day. So we'll see everybody next time. Bye.